listeners, get ready to get educated on herbs. Now let's talk about lymphatic herbs, aka the herbs that support the lymphatic system. Now, unfortunately, I'm going to offer a reductionist view on herbs. So this is pretty elemental. Herbs are so complex and have an array of varying compounds that we herbalists call constituents or phytochemicals. Where they grow and what conditions all affect the nature of the herbs. Traditional teachings on herbs offer us a relationship with the herbs and how their energy interacts with our energy. This is known as herbal energetics. The knowledge is deep and I hope my reductionist educational material will inspire you to learn more or seek out the care of an herbalist or healthcare provider who utilizes herbs in their practices and have much more in-depth knowledge. But like all things, we have to start somewhere. My philosophy on herbs is they provide us with ancient nutrients that are devoid in our modern daily diets. While it is estimated that 80% of the world population still relies on herbal medicines as their first line of defense for disease. And another fact is 80% of American households have a personal computer, and many of us have been brought up on the modern diet with these ancient nutrients absent. So here my voice comes into your smartphones and computers to stimulate you to get to know herbs and incorporate them into your daily diets. Most of the herbs we're going to focus on today are considered nutritives, but I will also discuss different types that are more stimulating and require more knowledge and to take caution. Nutritive herbs are a class of herbs that are rich in vitamins and minerals, providing a source of easily assimilated nutrients to aid in the body's innate function in homeostasis, meaning balance. To be considered a nutritive herb, there are really no known toxicities, although an allergy to a certain herb is in the realm of possibility. The idea of nutritives is that you could take an excess of this herb and not be harmed, although I'm not sure why you'd want the excess, waste of time and resources. The other class of lymphatics, ones that are stronger and more stimulating. These need more specific instructions. And as always, if you are unsure of an herb, ask a knowledgeable source or your healthcare provider. Lymphatics support a healthy immune response and offer nutrients for optimal lymphatic functioning. Lymphatic herbs are abundant in nature. The list I share with you is certainly not complete. And as these wrap sessions continue, we will continue to present new herbs to our listeners. All lymphatics have some similarities in their constituents or phytochemicals. Polyphenols is a broad group of constituents and an important nutrient, which you probably already heard of, flavonoids. I try to remember them as the flavor flav of the herbal world. To fight the power of disease. Quick shout out to public enemy, yes. These are robust, exciting, and offer so much health benefits. They are also a huge area of scientific research. Flavonoid research is showing us an oxidative, anti-inflammatory, anti-carcinogenic, meaning cancer, properties. Coupled with their capacity to modulate key cellular chemical functions, think proteins like cytokines. Another polyphenol are phenolic acids, are found abundant in food and herbs, rich in antioxidant properties, which prevent cellular damage by oxidative processes. Think rust on your car. 
anti-inflammatory actions and antimicrobial actions, killing both a virus and bacteria to varying degrees. Phenols were the original disinfectants. Saponins are another constituent and anti-inflammatory compound purported to affect immune response. In some research, they have been shown to decrease lipid levels in the blood and are thought to be anti-carcinogenic as well. They form foam, like soap. In fact, soap originated from saponins from a plant known as soapwort, where the saponins are abundant. Soapwort is found abundantly along the Erie Canal in New York State and were planted by early travelers to be able to wash their clothes as they traveled. Some saponins can be toxic to humans, so remember, not always a good thing. Last constituent, and very important to the immune response, are polysaccharides. They are becoming more and more researched. They are considered immunomodulating, meaning they modulate the immune response. If the response is too strong, like in autoimmune diseases, they help to slow or halt that process. Or, contrary, stimulate the immune system if sluggish. These are long-chain carbohydrates that are not easily digested and therefore interact directly with the GALT in the small intestine. Initiating an immune response, they are purported to have anti-tumor, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, and antiviral actions. More research is needed, but very promising indeed. Okay, so let's talk about herbs and what herbs will help us tune our immunity. Most lymphatics have an affinity for one or more organs of elimination. Remember GI tract, which is liver and large intestine, kidneys, lungs, and skin. So I will first list the names of each nutritive lymphatic herb. Under each organ that it affects, and drum roll please, with each of its constituent types that affect the lymphatic system. Yes, this is my organized brain, and yes, this is reductionist. This list will be provided on the website as well with the Latin names, so no need to try to memorize this list. Also, in the resource section, books that have helped me along my educational herbal journey. Okay, so these nutritive herbs basically pose no harm to most people and have been used by peoples for thousands of years. These can easily be added to cooking and soups or salads and herbal teas as daily support for your immune response. First off, the skin as the organ of elimination. Herbs, calendula flowers that are rich in flavonoids and some saponins, Chickweed leaves, stems, and flowers, rich in saponins. Red clover, leaves, stems, and flowers, rich in flavonoids. Burdock root, rich in polysaccharides and flavonoids. Nettle leaf, flavonoids, best overall nutritive tonic, in my opinion. Cleavers, leaves, stems, and flowers, wins best lymphatic tonic, rich in flavonoids and phenolic acids. Yarrow, rich in flavonoids. The respiratory system, mainly lungs, but also supports the upper respiratory system. Mullen leaf, flavonoids, and saponins. 
garlic bulb, polysaccharides, and just a quick note, essential and volatile oils were not presented as a constituent, but are also present in many of these plants and will also help with the immune response as they provide significant antimicrobial properties. These are the constituents known as the fragrance and taste of herbs, and we will delve a lot deeper in essential oils in future segments. So back to lymphatics that support respiratory function. Elderberry and elderflower, rich in flavonoids. Bone set flowering tops, rich in flavonoids. Yarrow, leaf, stems, and flowers, again, flavonoids. So now onto the digestive tract and lymphatics that support digestive tract functioning. Dandelion root, polysaccharides, and flavonoids. Yellow dock root, again, polysaccharides and flavonoids. And again, yarrow leaf, flavonoids. Urinary tract, goldenrod, flowering tops and leaves, saponins. Burdock root, again, polys and flavs. Dandelion leaf, not root for urinary tract, flavonoids. And corn silk, flavonoids. So these are most nutritives and are considered relatively safe. But if you're planning on surgery, please stop herbs two weeks before surgery, as many herbs have some degree of blood thinning property. Also, if you're on blood pressure medications or on blood thinning medications, please consult your prescribing doctor before trying these herbs. Another note, if you're on oral contraceptive pill or other hormonal-based therapies, please consult your doctor as some of these herbs may interact. So what about pregnancy and lactation? Please consult with your doctor or midwife. There are also some resources. Dr. Aviva Ram and her book, Botanical Medicine for Women's Health, is a great book and resource. Also, the main herbal text from my education at Dominion Herbal College in Vancouver, Canada, is Principles and Practice of Phytotherapy by Carrie Bone and Simon Mills and has some great resources. But as always, check with your doctor or midwife. Now, straight up lymphatics. These tend to be more stimulating and typically utilized for more stronger immune response and support, but should be used for shorter periods of time. Elecampane root is one of those and has a strong affinity to the lungs. It is rich in polysaccharides and polyphenols. Golden seal and Oregon grape root, rich in saponins, with an affinity for respiratory skin and digestive tract. Japanese knotweed are overall lymphatic tonic and rich in saponins. Poke root, rich in saponins, but it can be toxic and make you puke. It can also be a great herb for moving stagnancy in really small doses. But remember, poke can make you puke and be toxic. Please work with a knowledgeable herbalist or healthcare provider to ensure safety. Chaparral leaves and stems, flavonoids and saponins, osha root, saponins, astragalus root, a valuable immunomodulating herb from traditional Chinese medicine, native to Asia, is rich in polysaccharides. Note, all of these herbs are either natives or grown in North America. Second note, the medicinal mushrooms would fall here. 
under lymphatics, rich in polysaccharides. But these deserve a segment all on their own, so stay tuned. Okay, are you ready to dig a little deeper? So, was anyone wondering about echinacea? Yes, this root is rich in polysaccharides. These leaves, rich in flavonoids. The leaves can be considered nutritive and used for longer periods of time in tea blends. The root is very stimulating to the lymphatic system and is considered to give non-specific cellular immunity. It is native to North America and very easy to grow and quite beautiful. Its actions include anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, and studies are showing it acts like and even stimulates interferon. Remember the cytokines? Well, this one kind of cytokine has a strong antiviral action and anti-carcinogenic action. One study in mice injected with echinacea purpurea showed increased interferon activity by white blood cells. More studies are needed. Any researchers out there? Toxicity. Human historical use tells us, safe for humans, echinacea use was passed down from the knowledge and wisdom of many native peoples on this continent. It was highly esteemed herb in the early American medical practices used extensively by eclectic physicians from 1830s to 1850s and is still found in the Merck Manual for any of you healthcare providers listening. There are many schools of thought for the length of use. I say the root is daily dosing when needed, but really not a nutritive herb. Although the leaves in a tea blend throughout the winter months are considered more nutritive. Please speak to your healthcare provider if you have any autoimmune problems and do not take if on immunosuppressant therapy. One last bit on echinacea. Drum roll, please. A randomized placebo-controlled clinical trial. Say what? Yes, I was excited too, especially when it was actually looking at tea drinking. These researchers had 95 healthcare workers at a nursing home with symptoms of cold and flu, such as runny nose, sore throat, fevers. 93% were female, ages 24 to 62, who presented with the cold-like symptoms over a three-month period. The exclusion criteria, being pregnant and breastfeeding, people with known allergy to coneflowers, people already on antibiotics. Methods, randomly assigning the participants to receive Echinacea Plus tea. The plus was the flavor, but not clear in what herbs were used, and were to drink five to six cups daily, or receive the placebo tea, and that was just the flavor portion. Self-scoring post-symptom questionnaire with three questions were given. Question one asked about effectiveness of the tea at relieving cold and flu symptoms. Question two the number of days with cold and flu symptoms, and question three, how long it took for subjects to notice a difference in their symptoms. Control group was given placebo tea with similar taste and the same post-symptom questionnaire. Statistical significance, all three questions had a p-value of less than 0.001, meaning not a lot of chance likely contributed. Echinacea tea drinkers compared to placebo, showed a decrease in days with symptoms and a decrease in severity of symptoms. No negative reports were reported in either groups. Some limitations, 
There was no pre-treatment questionnaire. The questionnaire had simplicity and subjectivity, and more women than men were in the study due to the population of the employees at the nursing home. Still, a tea-drinking clinical trial is pretty darn cool. Okay, so just to end this segment, some great immune-boosting blends. At Cornell University Pharmacy, there is Big Time Immune Boost offered. It is a local tea blend with one part elderflower, one part elderberry, one part thyme, and one part yarrow. Apothecara, the apothecary I opened in Ithaca, now closed, was called the Lymphomaniac Blend. Two parts cleavers, one part yarrow, and a half a part anise hyssop, which we can learn about in later episodes. To move fluids and help with swelling, two parts cleaver, one part nettles, and a half a part calendula flowers. Think to help with the bags under your eyes and poor old Donald Trump. For immune boost at first sign of cold or flu-like symptoms, echinacea tincture. I personally love Herb Farm, that's P-H-A-R-M, super echinacea. Take one dropper full, five mils, equal to half a teaspoon, three to five times daily until better. I will often add elderflower and or astragalus root and or medicinal mushrooms to teas and daily foods for anyone with longstanding weakened immune response. Any acute or chronic pains? Try the lymphatics. A recent client reported significant improvement of back pain after tea prepared as two parts yarrow, two parts cleavers, one part wood betony leaves, one part Chinese mint leaves, and one part meadowsweet leaves, and a touch of lavender flowers. Dosing for tea infusions daily as nutritive support is one heaping tablespoon of herbs to one cup of eight ounces of boiled water. Always steep with a lid on for at least 10 minutes or longer, the better. May re-steep two to four cups is a good maintenance support. That's basically two heaping tablespoons of herbs a day and then a re-steep. You can always go up to three heaping tablespoons a day to provide three cups and three more re-steeps to a total of six cups a day for more significant lymphatic support. Check out the preparing tea video on our website for how to boil roots in a preparation called the decoction. Also more information on tea infusions. Again, check out our resources section on the website for the studies and books I spoke about. Keep steeping for a healthy self and a healthy planet. 